This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid alongside Dave Zeitlin on a Thursday. And we're starting the podcast off this week on a somber note uh, because a friend of ours uh, and a friend of many of yours, uh, Kenny Hansen, the former president of the Sons of Ben, uh, is currently on life support right now in a South Carolina hospital after suffering a traumatic a head injury um, that basically resulted in, from what I understand, some swelling uh, to his brain that required surgery. Uh, doctors looked at a bunch of uh, avenues for treatment and tried to do everything they can. And based on updates that we were provided on a GoFundMe page uh, for his medical bills, uh, we were told the other night that he... Um, that Kenny will not make it. So basically, uh, as of the the taping of the podcast, uh, Kenny is on life support right now in the hospital. He's alongside his wife, um, who wanted to spend a, a final day with him. And um, I, I don't really know what's gonna what's gonna happen from here. So by the time you uh, by the time you actually listen to the podcast, he he may not be with us anymore. Uh, so I, we don't know much. Obviously, beyond um, you know, just that he suffered a head injury. Uh, Kenny was the, you know, we'd like to leave the rest of the details private, obviously, and let his wife, um, you know, say her final goodbyes. But um, there is a GoFundMe page set up um, to cover uh, part of those expenses and just for people to donate in general. And as of taping it right now, Dave and I are looking at it sixteen thousand dollars, sixteen thousand five hundred eighty-five dollars. Yeah. With uh, how many? Comments are we looking at eight hundred eighty nine shares um all kinds of comments and people just uh, you know leaving positive things to say about Kenny just a a really really sad story um yeah, you know and, and a guy that that you you and I both um yeah sp- spoke to on occasion who helped us out with stories and yeah, I mean, quotes. it's it's just horrible I mean I talked to him probably more than I talked to any other um union fan he uh you know, I first got to know him um, when he was Sons of Ben president, I think, in 2013 with the tragic passing of Eric Schertz, who everyone um, knew well. He was a he was a uh, Sons of Ben who sat in the first row, and he died very suddenly, and he left behind a son uh, n- named Gabe, a uh, teenager. And, uh, you know, Kenny was just so great with that, in my opinion. He, he talked to me for my stories about it, which were... Um, hard to write um, but he also told me you know things that the sons of Ben their first mission is to really come together and and like help each other in these times of crisis and mm-hmm. you know it's horrible that the group has dealt with this kind of tragedy between Eric Schertz and now Kenny there have been some other things too but you know if there is any bit of solace it's that the group always seems to come together other groups from around the league really stand beside you yeah um yeah. and then soccer mls is a really tight-knit league so you know you have coaches even talking about it jim Curtin brought up kenny hansen to start the press conference, press conference uh, back when yeah. Yeah. eric Schertz died um uh john hackworth talked about it a lot he he invited gabe to training um which was great so you know mls is still a small enough league where the fans uh deal with the coaches and the media on a very personal level so that's why it's hard for us. It's hard for uh, Jim Curtin. Um, 
but you know the group will definitely band together just as it did uh four years ago when eric shirts died yeah my my takeaway from from talking to kenny on occasion was um that he was just a very honest guy and a very sincere guy and maybe you didn't always agree with his take or maybe he didn't always agree with yours but what people always said about him was that he was always willing to listen and that he would always put other people's thoughts first and i remember a story uh, that somebody told me where i think it was some kind of event where they designed some kind of flag or a scarf or something like that i think it was a scarf that they designed um where Kenny, he had extras, I think, in his car or something like that or somewhere else in storage. And instead of w- making somebody wait to, to get the scarf or something, he just took the one that he was wearing and he gave it to the dude. So literally took the scarf off his nice. back and, and gave it to the guy instead. But I always found him to be a very honest and very sincere guy. And, and you know, the first time I really talked to him for a story was when they had the uh, Sons of Ben protest, um, you know, 2015 outside the stadium. And, and there was a conflict on that because uh, – you know, some people wanted to march into the stadium and carry the protests into the stadium. Kenny thought that it made sense to just keep it outside and not, you know, be disrespectful to the players or, or do it inside the arena. And, um, you know, having to deal, having to lead the group through a really difficult time. You know, yeah. he had to weigh a lot of different opinions, uh, take a lot of um, different things into account. And um, for all intents and purposes, I think that people always said that he was good at kind of balancing that and taking yeah. everything into consideration and listening to everybody, even yeah. if their opinion might not have no, it's true, yeah. fit, fit with yeah. what everybody else wanted to do. Yeah. I remember talking to him for that story, too, uh, during a protest, and it seemed, I think, I guess it seemed to us at the time that everybody in the Sons of Ben was angry. Uh, just that's the way it seemed. And he told me, you know, the discontent is only uh, part of the group, and he had to make sure he was also listening to the part of the group who who uh, didn't want to protest, who mm-hmm. was happy with the way things were going for the most part. So, even though it seemed to us that like everyone was upset, like he knew there were two sides, and like you said, I think he, he balanced those sides very well. And it was it, it was a hard time to be president, but yeah. And know. I talked to I talked to Kay the most recently a couple months ago when I did the ten uh, year Sons of Ben thing, the oral history, and he had a lot of good things to say, you know. And he was honest, and he said, uh, "Look, there were some difficult things that had to be figured out when I took over, and we had to navigate some tough times, but um, you know that." Seemed like he enjoyed every single minute that he did that. So, um, you know, again, please please keep uh, Kenny's family in your thoughts if you can. And um, the page is still open uh, to donate if you would like to. It is uh, GoFundMe.com slash Caring for Kenny. And there's hyphens in between there. So GoFundMe.com slash Caring hyphen for uh, Kenny, and we'll we'll share that yeah. um, on on Twitter as well. But um, and also we knew Kenny kind of well, but like not nearly as well as the sons of Ben. So you know, just want to pass our like deepest uh, thoughts and uh, condolences on to people like uh, Jeffrey Mitchell, to uh, Amy Rivera who knew him well, to like Earl Gardner, mm-hmm. to all the sons of Ben members who were close with him. Like we're definitely thinking of you guys right now. Yeah, so just uh, keep Kenny's, Kenny and uh, you know his his family in your thoughts. We're just going to pause for a second here, and then we're going to play the music and uh, restart the show. All right, Philadelphia Union 3, FC Dallas 1. Uh, in a game that really should have been... Philadelphia Union 3, FC Dallas 0. Um, I don't know if anybody uh, saw, saw that result coming. Did you see well, yeah, that result coming? There were uh, two big firsts in the game, right? The first time the Union ever beat um, Dallas, and the first time uh, video review was used in an, in an MLS game. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, which, so, congrats. so which one do you want to start with there? Uh, let's start with the video review. Ryan Schweppfinger, congrats to him. Uh, we were at... All talking to him, he was the, he was the first one to announce in, in the press box after further review that yeah. goal was, 
was overturned. So uh, I guess that's why they have it, right? It, it seemed like a pretty clear-cut foul on on John McCarthy. and uh, Yeah, yeah. Worked out. Yeah. Well, I think in that situation, yeah, a lot of things kind of played in their favor. First of all, the, the call went in the home side's favor. <laughs> so, of course, they were all <laughs> yeah. fine with it after and the game. And then Jim said afterwards, <laughs> I, I Philadelphia loves video review, which I'm sure is not going to be the case yeah. Like, yeah. like next week. Or right, like, when, they, when they call something yeah. for that team. But, yeah, I mean, look, um, Christian Coleman, I think, uh, got played through. He kicked John, clearly kicked John McCarthy in the nuts. Uh, and uh, you know, when you get kicked in the nuts. You got to look at that. You have to review that. Yeah, Harris Madunian, I thought was funny in the um, in the you know in the locker room after the game. We were asking him, you know, what did you think about the VAR? And he says, well, you don't need it because everybody can see that he got kicked. You know, yeah. so uh, he's just saying that the ref should have got the call right the first place. So look, um, they were they reviewed it. They got the call right. They didn't waste a ton of time. Um, C.J. Sapong pointed out uh, in the in his post game comments that look this the stoppage really didn't matter because after a goal there's a stoppage anyway that's true you know there's celebration people are kind of like meandering about trying to get back to the uh to the middle line so i don't think that ended up being the case and uh you know to to me i i understand purists say we don't want to ruin the flow of the game but it when you ruin a call that's more of an infraction on the on the purity of the game in my opinion i i would rather see i don't mind if we have a pause for 10 minutes as yeah. long as they get the call right you know i don't mind that but what do you think about the refs uh sometimes it's not really clear like what they're uh, looking at because in a game the next day i think portland versus la they uh overturned a goal and people thought at first on tv that it was because uh, jack McInerney pushed someone but then they realized it was uh, zardis had a handball so yeah do you think yeah, like yeah. in the nfl the ref should like get like mic'd up and be like talking to the fans be like here's why i did it or something like <laughs> I suppose there's so much confusion, and it seems like that should kind of be like ironed out. I feel like at some point. But. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it would be kind of goofy to see Ricardo Salazar walk <laughs> to the center of the field and then say, you know, do the NFL thing, do yeah. the Ed Hockley, you know, this uh, upon further review. But yeah, you do have to disseminate that information in some way, right? Because a lot of people are sitting there saying, well, what the hell happened? You know, right. so sure they can clear that up, I think. But also some of the things that can be reviewed specifically. I mean, we just—is it just a blanket policy where we're saying we're going to review this goal? Or we're going to yeah. review whether we thought he handled it or whether we thought somebody was pushed. I mean, because you could then look at like a corner kick or something, you could find 10 different infractions there, some guy holding some guy or yeah. somebody grabbing. So where where is there, are there limitations on what we're identifying here? I think there's language like clear and obvious or something to that sort. Like it has, okay. to, be pretty, yeah. like, it has to be pretty obvious to overturn. The, like the, just grabbing in a box in a corner kick I don't think would be enough. Yeah, because in the NFL, don't they have like, aren't there some things that are like just not able to be reviewed, right? There are yeah. certain situations, I, and some of That's them always are always confusing. Yeah, yeah and yeah. some are automatic that just go to the booth under under two minutes. Under two I minutes. think anyway. But look, I, I think for this case, it made a lot of sense yeah. in the way it was rolled out. Um, the other takeaway I think for the Dallas win, Ilsenio, I think played his best, best game in a year. His family was far. there, second straight game. We got to get his family from Brazil in every <laughs> game. He just dominates. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Jim said they're going to fly him in uh, every every. Get him uh, an apartment, like a nice hotel suite. Which would be the first the charter, home. the first charter that the Philadelphia <laughs> Union took this year? Actually, they did take one. Well, Senio's sister is, is the first ever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first right. ever charter. No, but it's funny because, because you know, the Braz- Brazilian guys are are like that. They like notoriously like uh, family and community and uh, community related and like happy go lucky kind of guys. And when they're in situations where they feel yeah. comfortable, I mean, no joke, they do. Yeah play better you know and they're also that's not bullshit like they're also really good at soccer that movie had to a barnetta we were talking in a media room um one of the best team goals this has ever had this team like you mentioned the open cup 
goal with uh, Nogueras yeah, run up the field yeah. uh, to Ayuk. But uh, this is definitely, it's got to be top three. Because El Sino started the whole thing with some great moves, beat two guys. They kind of pass it around. Um, so, here's a, so, let me, so let me interrupt you right there. Because some people were saying when they looked at that sequence, they were starting it from uh, Ilsino dribbling in the midfield and beating those guys. Then it kind of, the ball kind of filters out. They almost lose it. They almost and lose it, it yeah. but, but listen, I mean, would you, I mean, I, I think you can make a case then too. You could say, well, Chris Pontius worked hard to win back that yeah. loose ball and they got it back out. I mean, is that. Would you make a case I, for I'd including count it, all of They that? didn't lose possession. I mean, I, I I count the whole sequence, and even if you don't count the whole sequence, just the pass alone from El Sino, a, a crazy spinning back heel to Harris, give and go. I mean, that's one yeah, of the even best, just that second. That's one of the best passes we've mm-hmm. seen, and then and then Harris lays it on a platter for CJ. So it, it, it was just a great goal. Well, I think the entire the irony of the entirety of the sequence is that, of course, a Philadelphia Union great uh, team goal does include some kind of defensive pressure in the opponent's half of the field you know i mean that's not lost on me i kind of get that you know it's funny that it played out that way but yeah it was an all-timer no matter what i still think people were asking i still think that the open cup goal was the better like movement overall because they're playing down a man you know i thought Nogueira's skill check uh, or dummy was a hell of a skill check they moved the ball about like three quarters of the way up the field i I don't know i mean they're both not to take anything away from either goal but we just have a habit of comparing every single thing in this country you know <laughs> K- kobe and jordan so and lebron and whatever podcast so, hot takes yeah right you know um, uh what, what else from that uh, game any, uh, any cj two goals he's now up to 12 he's right yeah. around he's like third in the golden boot lead i think yeah and with cj it was um you know i mean uh he finished off the sequence and then he got a tap in at the end there and uh you know he has three penalties this year so some people saying like well everything he scored has been from point blank range or you know he still can't dribble a guy and create his own shot or do anything like that and right i think we all knew that but i don't really think it matters in the end you know because uh, that's kind of the point of being a center forward and you know i wrote this week about how you know right place right time is is a skill in itself you know that there's there are examples of guys in world soccer who have been poachers and <laughs> always scored, scored yeah. those kinds of guys. I mean, Jack McInerney did a lot of good things here too, but he, he, he collected a lot of back yeah. post, you know, um, balls that just sort of fell to him also. So I don't, no one's uh, complaining about 12 goals. It's uh it's no, impressive. Yeah, it's impressive no. I mean, look, there's everybody else in the top 10. So I think there's only one guy in the top 10 who doesn't have a penalty either. And that's Bradley Wright Phillips. So, I mean, if you took all those penalties away, every, it's still kind of the, the same, you know, so you can say, well, CJ took a couple penalties that he didn't earn, but he also gave up a couple penalties that he did earn. You know, the Allberg yeah. argument, um, the, the other, one was, uh, that, <laughs> the other one then in Kansas city that Allberg did score. So I, I don't, I thought it was funny that the union, uh, Twitter came out today and said that, uh, you know, CJ's uh, silencing all the haters and all the critics or whatever. So, I mean, need we need we remind everybody that CJ Sapan wasn't even the starting lineup to begin the season, <laughs> and that the coaching staff tried to tried to find somebody better than him, yeah. and they had him on the bench to start. And Jay Simpson was the guy. So, I mean, would you include the technical staff among the haters? I'd include um, Roland Dahlberg as one of the haters. Oh, probably, <laughs> probably. But I mean, again, Keep that, goals that narrative that everybody like thinks that CJ uh, <laughs> we, we can point out his limitations while also giving him praise while he does well. But the fact that uh, yes, he would they did try to find somebody we love better CJ. and improve that his, position. This his year. press conference after the game included the words. Um, um, marinate and um, manifest in the same sentence. Oh, so. that's good. Yeah. What he likes con- to wax poetic after games. What it's context were they? I would, forget. Was what marinate used in? But uh, yeah, he's, he's a good quote. And, yeah. I, and I, I, the other... eat, I haven't eaten lunch yet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sorry to make you hungry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the other takeaway, you know, uh, John McCarthy, well, it was a career high saves, and, yeah. and now he's getting the start. Um, you guys were down at training. It seems like Andre Blake needs at least one more week because of his hand. So, uh, yeah, he's still got the stitches in there. So, I mean, John's been great. I, I wrote a little story on him last week, and, he, you know, he's loving the opportunity. And, and the cool thing is, you know, him and Blake are tight. Um, it's a it's just a really good partnership. Um, it's a really good backup to have, and, and they get along well. And John's, you know, he's he's been proving a lot right now transfer window came and went uh nobody came and nobody went um takeaways <laughs> surprised i mean I, yeah it, it's it's interesting you know um ernie talked a lot about preaching patience um the interesting thing is they've got over the years a lot of their biggest signings have been over the summer they got ali bedoya last year barnetta the year before which mm-hmm. have been good um they've also made some bad ones raise Maboli, uh freddie adu i guess you could say was bad baki's uh, Sumari, he was over the summer. So a lot of their biggest moves have been over the summer. Um, what Ernie and Jim were both saying about hard to adapt at this point of the season for guys, especially guys in Europe who are like in the off season, yeah. like on the beach right now, is yeah. true. But for the most part, when they sign these guys, it's not for a two month deal. It's for two months and at least one more. They're year. available so, now, yeah. and they're looking towards the future right. with the right. Because Nicolas Lodero, I mean, those kinds of situations don't happen that often. I mean, the most, most often case when you sign that kind of player, it's like a, uh, like a Tim Cahill or a Marco DeVaio or like a, a Kenny Miller kind of situation where they come in, they kind of struggle to adapt right away. They're coming off, like you said, a long season or whatever. And that was also the case for Tranquillo and for Bedoya, I think as well. Keo was playing on the left wing. It was hard for them. Well, Maidana was, was playing like Those two position. signings are two of the best in union history, two of the best players. They both raised the bar, but it was hard for even both of those guys to really adapt in the middle of the season. And they didn't really, neither of them really adjusted that well in the seasons that they came and the team didn't really play better in the in the case of Bedoya, they probably played worse at that point. So it's it's a tough thing to do. Um, if they would have found a good player who fit, I'm sure they would have done it, I guess. But, you know, they were talking a lot about having more uh, resource, uh, resources and flexibility at the end of the season when uh, Moe's contract comes off the books, when possibly yeah. Roland Alberg will see you. So, yep, yep. so if they think that's a better time to sign a true difference maker, then I guess that makes sense. But they really need to to make a move, especially at the uh, number 10 position. Well, I'm about to scoop myself here because I'm in the middle of writing the story that basically says exactly that, where you just have much more flexibility coming up in the winter. You know, you're going to have a new infusion of, of targeted allocation money for buy-down purposes. You're definitely probably going to get rid of Alberg, Adu, Davies, Ilsenio, Brian Carroll, you're looking at 1.5 million. I mean, you're clearing like a ton of cap space in that point. And then you have Anthony Fontana coming in. His pre-contract becomes official, probably $65,000 for a, for a backup. Right. So going forward, the, the, the strategy seems to be for me and Ernie mentioned this in the town hall, I believe where he said that, look, Academy players, in addition to being homegrown and self-produced that they're also affordable. And when you free up money on the bottom end there, you can then increase the top end. So what they have right now, take example for the number 10 position, you have a $400,000 Roland Auberg and a $500,000 El Senior, right? So you have two guys at the same position who are basically making the same amount of money, same kind of guy. So if you could, you know, if you're talking about $900,000 total to work with there, would you rather have two guys around the same salary? Or would you rather have an $850,000 DP and a $65,000 homegrown backup? You know, that has to be, to me, that has to be the model going forward. And you can do that at three positions. Look, you can have 
$850,000 DP number 10 backed up by Fontana and Najem who were both mm-hmm. making 65,000. $1.1 million DP Alejandro Bedoya backed up by $65,000 Derek Jones. Jones yeah. Get rid of Chris Pontius, $800,000 TAM level buy down winger backed up by $135,000 Fabian Herbers. Yeah. I mean, is that yeah. not the. Because yeah, that makes they, sense, yeah. If they're committed to playing these young kids and having them on the roster, then yeah. you put them number two on the depth chart and you right. beef, beef up the first team. I mean, that I think sense, that yeah. just has to be the model going forward if yeah. they're not going to. If, if if they're not going to spend extra money on top of that, then you have to get out from under these three hundred thousand, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar contracts because you have Simpson, Alberg, um, Ilsenio, all sitting in in that area, and Madunian is really the only guy in that range who's earning those dollars, don't you think? Because CJ yeah. is only on three hundred right now. It just seems like the most obvious. No, that, that makes sense, and I think I, I think that's probably Ernie's plan. And I do appreciate his his patience, his his looking to the future. At the same time, I understand why the optics of them not making a move now looks bad for for a few reasons. You see, MDC uh, make like a lot of big moves. Mm-hmm. That's got to hurt our union fans. Uh, the optics of of signing a chief tattoo officer on a <laughs> On um, deadline day, is, it was probably not the smartest move. Yeah. Like, I don't fault the marketing guys for that, but the timing of it uh, was not ideal. Um, and then... Casey, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. not Casey. New England goes and gets Namath. Right. Uh, Columbus signed, like, a $2 million yeah. DP winger. Yeah. And then if you look at the simple fact that they're, you know, they're close to the playoffs now... Um, you could probably make the case that they're pretty well stocked in most positions on the field, except the uh, the um, number ten position. Mm-hmm. So you can make a case that they're only one tr- true player like away from possibly making the playoffs and even making a run in the playoffs. So that's true. Well, do you, do you? I mean, then how do you? What's your interpretation of them bringing in Elias Aguilar and uh, Nicolas Martinez, and then saying that both guys were not I, a fit. I, when foreign reports are coming out and saying that, well, I don't it wasn't know. The, you know, there could be a whole bunch of shadiness really behind the contracts. That. Yeah, I, maybe they didn't want to come. Maybe they're asking for too much money. Like we don't know the whole backstory there. But I mean, the bottom line is if the are, are those guys true uh, difference makers? Are they major like upgrades over El Cino or um, Roland Alberg? That's that's a true question. Yeah, so. I mean, and I don't think so. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, this is not, we're not talking about bringing in a guy like a Nacho Piatti or a Federico, yeah. Federico Iguain or a Nicolas right. Lodero. I mean, yeah. I think we know that those guys aren't on that level. So why not just kick the can down the road right. so when you know you're going to have a ton of money to play with next year and try to install your plan that way? I just, I know that Union fans are kind of annoyed by it and kind of pissed off about it and the tattoo thing, the optics of it looked bad. <laughs> but here, truthfully, yeah, yeah. and one of the Philadelphia Union front office guys said this the other day. He's like, Look, we could have announced the chief tattoo thing at any time, and people would have been pissed off. Yeah, you know, because they dragged it out. It for just took six, a while. Yeah, six months it, was, anyway. it was a cool thing. Like I wrote a story when, when they first announced it. It just—I don't know why it needed to take the entire season to find someone. But um, I'm not a tattoo any, guy. You are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Should I go to Bone Daddy's and get a touch-up here? The one of my legs kind of fading a little bit, but yeah. Um, I yeah, I don't really think there's much more to say about the transfer window. I, I think it, they, they didn't. You know, look, like you said, if, unless one of these guys is going to come in and bang in five goals and seven assists right off the bat yeah. in these like, tr- final 12 games, then it doesn't really make sense. So just clear the space now, take another yeah. look in the winter, use the funny money that you get from Garber, and figure it out then. Yeah, that makes sense. They had one talking point that Curtin and Stewart were saying that this team now can 
can still make the playoffs and make a run. I mean, it's po- it's possibly true they can make the playoffs, but is this team really doing anything w- w- with the roster now? I mean, if they do make the playoffs, they're going on the road to face uh, Toronto. Probably they have one win on the road all season. I Look, mean, I, I mean this this this, this conference is, is yeah this conference is top heavy too. I mean, even if they sneak in as a number six or a number five, do you, do you see? Do you see them going to New York City or going to Atlanta and winning yeah, a playoff yeah. game? And Columbus and Orlando, are they worth a shit right yeah. now at this point? I mean, I don't even see, like, their last part of the uh, schedule here is they have a lot of tough um, road games, so it's going to be even hard for them yeah. to sneak in as the sixth. They I mean, should they're... come out Saturday, clobber Montreal, climb, like, right up to the line, and then they go right to San Jose and right to Toronto. So I just don't, you know, we, we kind of held to that idea from the beginning. Okay, they had the town hall meeting. Last night. Oh, did you get any leaks? No, I did not. To your not. secret, secure email address? Yeah. Your new Gmail address? What happened to your Hotmail? Well, you know... F- Is this ass- your uh, leak email? Assholes like you think that <laughs> it matters what your email is, you know. I've used Hotmail for like 15 years because it allows me to send and receive emails. I don't think it makes a damn difference whether I'm still... <laughs> I-, I email people like NFL writers who still have AOL accounts, and I don't think any less of them because it doesn't, you know. I thought you just changed email addresses for like a, a secure like leak line that like the uh, DOJ and... Uh, Oh, <laughs> and that well, and Jeff you know, Sessions can't track that. Just in with, case with, I get something yeah. on Russia uh, <laughs> and I need to protect my sources. But um, no one, so like you said, that they made people turn off their phones, no recordings. Yeah, That's, they made, they asked people to turn off their phones and keep the information private, which, um, you know, my whole take on all of that is this is an event for season ticket holders. Uh, season ticket holders are paying customers, and any business that's worth a shit knows that the customer is always right. You know? So, in my opinion, if a paying customer wants to give that information to the media to disseminate to the rest of the fan base or season ticket holders who couldn't have made a meeting at 6 o'clock on a weeknight in Chester, then I think that's their prerogative. You know? I don't think it... I think it's another thing that... I understand they want to control it. They want to make it exclusive to season ticket holders and create some value in them being there. But the value is that they get the invite and they get to ask the questions. Yeah. You know? So that's incentive enough for me. I don't think it sends the right message again. I think it's bad optics. And even in a situation like a town hall meeting, which the concept of a town hall meeting generally in politics is that it's supposed to be open, you know, that they would say, well, we don't want anybody sharing any of this. You know, when you're trying to create goodwill for the fan base, the very first thing you do is shoot yourself in the foot again with a dumb <laughs> policing of your own fans, you know? Yeah. Like, with the way that this team has performed over the first eight years, they should be bending over and kissing the ass of every single person who spends a dollar on this team. And it's not to say that as much as season ticket holders deserve praise for kind of being the lifeblood uh, of the of the team and of the fan base, that's not to say that other fans aren't spending money on tickets or $9 beers or hot dogs or dogfish head or sterling pig or whatever the hell else you can buy down there. You know, that's just as important to, to you know, the, the business down there as anything. So I just think, again, it's another, like, myopic kind of you have a chance to kind of get in front of people and show some goodwill and tell them some things about the academy and the, the plan. And then the takeaway is just, well, we, we're going to have people walking around looking – looking at you and see if your phone's on. Like, it's the SATs or something, you know? Do you think they had, like, Ernie, like, go, like, uh, chair to chair, like, <laughs> oh, ch- checking the phone? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they were really sore that I had the thing the first time. But, look, if the season ticket holders want to make that information, give that information to other people, then I think that's their right to do that, you know? Leak Kevin the recordings. 
Well, uh, yeah, if you want to send anything to me. It sounded like there wasn't I'll much that came from it. It sounded like, again, it was very Academy heavy, and it was very, uh, you know, we're going to build through the kids. And uh, there's something that came up, I think, about Atlanta, where Ernie mentioned how they've spent millions of dollars, but they're not that far ahead of them in the table. Uh, but guess what? Atlanta is an expansion team. And in seven months, they've been infinitely more exciting and ambitious than anything we've seen from Keystone Sports and Entertainment over and seven years. And also like, about to play at this giant, like beautiful new stadium. Yeah, they there. have a great owner who gives a shit, uh, who spends money. And guess what? They also will have their own academy production. Uh, their own, they have homegrowns as well. So I, I don't... You know, I mean, look, I, I appreciate the fact that they do these these kinds of things. And I think it sends the right message to the fan base that, hey, you can get in front of us and you can ask us some questions and things like that. But... You know, I mean, what is the super secret message that they're trying to protect? Our owner is cheap, so we're going <laughs> to throw the kids out there and tell people to go watch the 14-year-olds play at YSC on yeah. a Saturday. I don't give a shit about going and watching the 14-year-olds. It's their job to develop them and get them to the first team. It doesn't do anything for me to sit there and say, well, this kid's the next best thing. <laughs> because then for the next 10 years, all we're hearing about is the next best thing when we don't actually get to see the best yeah. thing. So wake me up when these kids actually are ready to play. If Anthony Fontana and Adam Najem and Derek Jones are good enough to be on the senior team, then put them on the damn field. Yeah. All right. Questions? Go for it. Good rant. I liked it. It's just annoying. <laughs> All right. It really is. Oh, if you're annoyed now, the first question is from uh, Matt Bugard. In a perfect world, how would Mo would do fit as a midfielder? The first question we got <laughs> is about Mo would do. I think I met yes. Matt up at um, oh, you did? up at uh, So Five the other week. Yeah, yes, it was nice, so it was nice, nice meeting you, man. Thanks for thanks for saying hey. Um, it was nice meeting you, but we're not talking about Mo. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll answer the question. How would he fit as a midfielder I mean, on this that, team? He would have been. He'd be a six, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he yeah. could put him. Yeah, I mean, you could put him in Bedoya's role and play Bedoya on the wing, where he. Oh, yeah. Where he's probably better. I mean, he's yeah. basically playing like a winger anyway. Yeah. Uh, Simon Island, let's get serious for a second. A new chief tattoo officer. How closely will he work with Ernie to bring in fresh ideas and new talent to the squad? Hashtag DP. I think Ernie, Chris Albright, and the chief tattoo officer are, are going to share an office and, and just really work uh, collaboratively, bounce ideas off each other. And I think he's like number <laughs> two or three on the on the front <laughs> office death chart right now. <laughs> what do you think? Uh next question <laughs> um and listen listen the thing was the thing was cool like in the beginning and they got such a reach with it in a marketing you know i mean you had like people they, they're national outlets writing the story about it. it's cool you get the philadelphia union brand out there but i think they kind of missed the mark when they just kind of milked it a little bit yeah. and, and you yeah, know, like doing finalists like and all that six yeah. month process yeah um, Anthony Gruzdis, can a union compete financially with um dc united let a let alone the unknown uh, big spenders. Uh, oh, man, D.C. surpassed them. You know, it's bad yeah. when uh, D.C. has passed us, right? Well, D.C.'s always had ownership that's had yeah. money. They've just not been willing to relinquish it. Yeah. I mean, they might be able to keep up with D.C. They're never going to be able to keep up with LAFC or Toronto. Carlos, I mean, Carlos Vela. Yeah, Can you I mean, believe it's, it? like, it's like different, the team hasn't like even, different that, leagues The right team now. doesn't even exist yet, and they've already made a better signing than anybody the Philadelphia Union have signed in eight years. Yeah. Rich Ransom, when will the union stop looking for um, wingers and start looking for a high-scoring striker? Um, they have a high-scoring striker. His name is CJ Sapong. Twelve well, goals. Right? That's <laughs> well, and that's going to be tricky going into the off-season then because you're not. It's Jay Simpson has another year on the on his contract, so yeah, I yeah, you're kind of jammed up there. I don't really know. You can dump a, a bunch of midfielders and you can upgrade there, but. 
maybe you just bank on on CJ being the guy you get next year with a much better supporting cast around him. I think that's where they're going to have to go because they've already got eight hundred thousand dollars committed. Does he have a year left strikers. on his deal, CJ? Do, do you know his contract? Uh, well, he extended in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 20, he, he did extend. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning of last year, right? So. Yeah. yeah. MK twenty seven. How long before the next? sellout at talent energy any confidence in a team getting the uh, winter um right enough for it to happen again uh next season have there not been any sellouts this year i, I haven't paid that much attention to that. Uh, i thought there was one they was still get red pretty, bull wasn't red bull sold yeah out? they still get pretty good crowds it's not i mean they're i guess the last few games we've kind of noticed some like more apathy some more empty well seats, yeah but that's, and of course that's of course on sons of ben appreciation the night the other night the river end wasn't even full and um you know it hasn't been full for a lot of games but who can who can blame them you know i mean they've you know they they pour out their heart and soul for shit for you know a long time i mean that's that's understandable and that's dangerous when the anger uh turns, turns into apathy. turns into that just is, being that a, is apathetic dangerous. yeah um justin friedberg with all the tam gam and cap shedding money coming in will the union spend smartly on the uh, number 10 which is the biggest need right now i mean that's the that's the number one hope i mean you would like to think so right? they're in a good position to do it yeah right. i think that ernie probably understands the structure of how how he has to go now with these salaries so yeah. that's what they need they need they need a big time 10 like mm-hmm. you mentioned piatti valeri like someone uh, maybe not quite as good but you need someone close to that level right mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. Don Trohosky Jr. say the union cut the floaters and sinkers off the payroll, leaving vacancies, and the union make a big signing of 10. Who from the uh, Bethlehem Steel makes the uh, union next year? Um, you know, I, like you kind of talked about before, I think a lot of those younger guys like Fontana, they'll, they'll be backups. And I, yeah. don't, I don't know if there's anyone else in the Steel roster right now who's ready to, to make the jump to the first I team. I mean, Corey Are Burke there, yeah, is Corey getting Burke. calls for Jamaica, and Sekou Kane had a good year. Uh, they're still playing. Um, you know, Najim obviously has had a lot of a lot of time up there. I, I still think the main guys for time next year are gonna be Jones, Najim, Fontana. Um I think the other Jones, Aaron Jones, has actually been playing pretty well up there. Oh, yeah. but he's behind He had a couple of nice free kick goals for, for, for Bethlehem. Yeah, he's behind two guys up there. Austin Trusty is still apparently down on the on the depth chart. I don't know if they want to play him as a left back or a left sided center back at this point, but um yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It, the the, the I'd like to see Steele have more academy kids playing for it, you know, because there's some guys up there who clearly, you know, I don't think we need to waste any more time having like Ken Tribbett play up there, you know? Ooh, um, Union Hulk. Do I get to read it? You usually like to read the Union Hulk. All right. Finally, here we go. Our owners clip coupons and no end in sight. Is there any hope for your Hulky to ever enjoy anything? SOS, Kevin Dino, SOS. That's not a question. He's just. No, no, he is. Is there any hope for what was it? Is there any hope for your Hulky to ever enjoy anything? No. 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 You'll never enjoy anything? No. Except we enjoy your Twitter feed. And if you ever want to come on the show, the offer is still here. So <laughs> let us know. Uh, Ken Hulk, how much should personality be a factor in bringing in uh, new players? Um, you might like to think not as much, but considering the signings that have, have worked for the union, like Barnetta and Bedoya, kind of good locker room guys, and, and, and the ones who haven't, uh, Rice Maboli, Freddie Adu, their their personalities and kind of body language uh, wasn't as good. I, I think it's very important, right? Sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, look at what Harris Madunian has, has yeah, done this year and how like a Gucci Anyewu fits into the locker room. I mean, that's key too, but you would think that, uh, you know, in, in a in a perfect world, uh, the coach and the sporting director could take a group of talented guys and get them to play together. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, Rich Ells, what offseason moves will placate the angry fan base? Is it just a 10 or a striker two? I mean, I, I think 10 is the first thing. Like we talked about, striker might be tricky if you have CJ and Jay Simpson. Um, so I don't know if that's... It's still a number 10. I did, Like I said, I just think they're kind of stuffed at the at the striker Maybe, position yeah. right now you know and and again they kind of it kind of played out in a way they weren't expecting because they thought they had an upgrade you know at the striker position with jay simpson and now they're looking at having of you know five hundred thousand dollars wrapped up in the on the bench next year i mean like i was saying with all those other salaries that they can get rid of and all the progress they can make it always seems like there's one you know kind of albatross that's kind of stuck there. And again, I'm not, it's not to take anything away from Jay Simpson. I mean, cause he really hasn't had much of a chance to do anything. I don't think he's playing in a system that fits, but the fact of the matter is that he's still occupying a bench spot at half a million, uh, half a, yeah. half a million dollars, you know, uh, Tallahassee union. How big of a letdown do the fans feel this weekend following that unexpected three, one win against FC day? How big I'm confused. How much of a letdown are we, are we in store for? No, they'll get it done against Montreal. But again, they'll do enough to to make themselves competitive, and then probably get slapped down in Toronto. Uh, maybe they can scrape one in San Jose. I, I don't, I don't know. It's it's not. I'd, I'd like to be optimistic it's about tough. it. And I think that they've kept themselves in it. But I mean, we know what this team is on the road, and I just don't. It's a really hard schedule. Like even San Jose is going to be a brutal trip, and they're really good at home too. It's, it's just yeah. And the Union have done well against the Western Conference this year, which is strange. But um, I mean, I, I just don't. I, I, I again, I just don't know where the points are coming from. They got six at home and six on the road, but even the home games are tough too. And we know that historically they just haven't played that well uh, in September and October. So. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't, I, I want to believe, but I just don't know where the, um, keep the faith, Kevin. where the points are, where the points are coming from, you know, keep the faith because you wanted to film that uh, podcast driving to Canada. Once oh again, yeah. I'd love to do that again. Yeah. I'm definitely driving home a different <laughs> way. I'm not going through Bradford, Bradford, Pennsylvania <laughs> on the way home this time. I thought it'd be nice to see a different part of the state, but I didn't to really see Bradford. Yeah. I didn't really need to all see all his it. life. <laughs> Kevin's wanted to see Bradford, Pennsylvania. And he finally got that chance. Thanks yeah, to the great. union getting the succeed. I was great. Yeah. There was like an old, like a uh, coal mining facility and like a Wendy's. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Mike wants to know, did the union care about um, winning and where on their priority list is it? What is the union's number one priority winning or developing players? You kind of talked about this. It, it, I mean, it goes hand in hand. They obviously want to win, but they're kind of looking more towards long-term winning than like short-term. Based on some of the stuff that we've heard from Ernie over the years, I mean, I think he understands that, you know, he's working with the kind of owner that Jay Sugarman is. And so a success for them might be just developing some players for the national team and putting together a playoff run here or there. I think uh, expectations are pretty much tempered based on the fact that uh, we know what we're dealing with here. You know, yeah. right. um, let's see more questions. Um, Jared Remster, is there anything this team can do to improve on the road or are they doomed to come up empty? You know, they do. It is crazy. They do look like a totally different team. You watch these games on the road. It's just like lifeless. There's not much energy. They're not getting anything going forward. And, and like at home and at home, they play some beautiful soccer at times like that, like that goal they had last week. So mm-hmm. there's gotta be something there. Like they're not, they shouldn't look like two totally different teams. Like I know there's like factors like the plane that like flying coach, uh, jet lag, things like that. But I mean, they've, they've got to figure out something. Jim kind of went on a little bit of a lengthy quote about Bedoya's positioning on the road or how his tendency to slide to the right kind of throws things off on the road. Uh, I, I don't, 
I got to go back and listen to that. But um, yeah, structurally, they just don't seem to like have the same shape or the same setup when they play on the road because there's so much on the back foot that they can't even really get out of their own way. There's not any meaningful possession. You know, Harris really can't do the things that he normally does because he's got a bunch of guys on top of him. I don't know. That'd be something worth exploring. I'd have to go back and dig up that quote for sure. Uh, Don Drohesky again. We now have a chief tattoo artist, and Keegan Rosenberry is the chief um, barber. Maybe rookie runner-up Elliot could be chief light bulb changer. <laughs> and uh, um, the Ke- chief a Keegan was liking too mower. many. Uh, Keegan Rosenberry was liking too many tweets that kind of were saying that he should be playing and. Have you noticed that? Like guys are saying that, and yeah, I mean that could mean anything though. I I don't I I would I went. I think he can just in. like I, yeah, like I think he just likes everything. Where well, and it's also but but that. that's also a mechanism to go back and find things later too. Like I've liked yeah. tweets that don't I don't necessarily like agree with. Like right, there was yeah. one I, I remember like liking something about somebody getting fired one time, and somebody gave me shit for it. I'm saying I'm not like you know celebrating the fact that somebody got fired. Like I want to go back and be able to find that and like reference yeah. that later. So I don't I don't. Yeah. I don't know if there's yeah, anything. Yeah, we shouldn't read into that. Uh, Mark Zucher, chances Latou retires with Philly. We Someone actually asked about that at the presser. Right? If he was uh, going to come back because they yeah, thought he was on the trade Yeah, it sounds like no. no. Could you imagine getting him back and then uh, dumping him for a third time? Like, Well, I don't <laughs> like know why people franchise. thought that was going to happen because, remember, they left. They, they were not on good terms when Sebastian was, was traded last year. I mean, it was on the record saying that he didn't want to go and that he wasn't expecting a trade and – that that they did not part on amicable terms. So why would he come back here? Yeah, for to in a well, mid-season I mean, trade after he, just signing as a, he signed as a free agent. Well, he signed with DC for part of the reason because his wife was still uh, right. In so in Philly, area. so I mean yeah. that would be the reason I guess That'd be he, the only he, reason, he, yeah. he'd come back. But yeah, he he's, he probably has some like, bitterness towards sh- the franchise. That ship yeah. ship is sailed. Yeah, Eric wrote, "Am I the only uh, Union fan okay with missing the playoffs for the potential for a big year next year? No magic bullet to to save the season." I mean, I think there are other Union fans who are looking ahead. The problem is whether or not they make or miss the playoffs next year doesn't really change their off-season plans necessarily. And, you know, tanking the season doesn't work because their draft pick is not there. So, I mean, it's not like they could still, like, whether they finish as a 5 seed, a 7 seed, or an 8 seed is probably not going to change much about Yeah, and I wouldn't put too much stock into the draft pick thing because, honestly, Ernie... Uh, once they made those trades and after they had their Josh Yaro, Keegan Rosenberry, Fabian Herbert draft, they pretty much told everybody with the moves that they made and the trades that they made that they don't care about the draft anymore because all their young guys are going to come through the academy anyway. Yeah. So they kind of shifted shifted priorities there. Um, Z is binary. Not that Jim gets fired since there are zero expectations, but which available coach would you bring in? Even retreads would be more exciting. I mean, are there any? There's, there's. Alessandro Nesta would he leave Miami <laughs> for Philadelphia? Yeah, the guy know. out at Cincinnati, um, Cock, I think his name is. I can't remember his first name, but he's he's done wonders with that team as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some some foreign ideas. You know, bring bring a little bit something different to it. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, I think those are all the questions we do. Let me go down and see if there did yeah, anybody respond because sometimes they get lost in the I quote. Did, in the okay. Quote here, uh, yeah. Let me know if you see any because I did ask if anyone had any Kenny Hansen stories and Ezra's Bagel Bistro did mention one. Uh, oh yeah, go uh, ahead. Small thing which we yeah. could read. So. What do you have? What do you have there? Um, at my second um, union game, I went with a buddy. We sat close to the um, river and walking out, a guy sees us younger guys and says, "Hey, I'm the president of the Sons of Ben." It was Kenny. He asked us how he liked the game and told us to get involved with the team, thanked us for coming out. He was one of us. So that's, that's a nice little story. You know, mm-hmm. the Sons of Ben presidents uh, really do have kind of a, a, a thankless job in a lot of ways. But uh, 
you know, just being out there talking to people um, was something I know he did well. Just being available, yeah, yeah, being around and willing to listen. I heard every every story that people said or every reference to him was always seemed to have yeah. like something along those lines. And I like, sure, yeah. I, I mean, I remember. I guess we can close the podcast talking a little bit more about him unless you see anything else. But yeah, I mean, I, I would talk to him about, he was just an even keeled guy about other things. I talked to him about college hoops. He was a big college basketball fan. I know um, on Facebook, he would kind of have these very even keeled comments about politics, trying to see like both sides and just trying to explain it in a very simple way. And, you know, yeah, it's just a, it's just a horrible thing. He's, he just seemed like a great guy. Yeah, all around and taken too soon. It's a sad story. It really is. Um, you know what? Let me just do one more. Let me take another quick look down because sometimes these get lost in like you. You'll ask for uh, questions, then I'll quote that, and then when people respond, it doesn't show up. Yeah, like right, on your right. Twitter feed. We'll have to contact the authorities about that. <laughs> but, um, Ernie's choices looked good last year for a while, but so many have gone belly up. Do you think he's on any type of short chain, or is he here to stay? I think he reiterated at the town hall that he was here on a five-year contract and that that wasn't going to change at all. Uh, Ernie had chances to go elsewhere. I think he interviewed with Aston Villa and with Rangers uh, as well, but he ended up coming to Philly because he wanted to be a part of American soccer. Um, I think that's pretty much it, actually. It looks like most of the stuff was probably... Oh, you know what? Let me just read. Somebody sent me an email... uh, George sent me an email with some questions in here uh, specifically, so I just wanted to make sure I responded to that. Uh, just some talking points here. I'm glad I trusted my instinct and didn't waste my time by going to the town hall. It was more trust us rhetoric about the future. Uh, number two, does Ernie understand that the landscape in MLS he's competing? Does he understand that landscape he's competing with? He's coming to a gunfight with a plastic knife <laughs> that they give out on airplanes. I mean, that's true because even if the union get better, everybody else is getting better at the same time, correct? Yeah. Why Why did the union consider a good first team and a good academy as mutually exclusive things? The union are a business, and if you're taking customers' money for them to watch the first team play, shouldn't you put a better effort into the current performance of that first team? Um, as a season ticket holder, I find that attitude insulting. I think that's probably how most people feel. Um, and even putting aside that the union play in one of the largest markets in the U.S., they don't even do enough to be considered a good small middle market club. Look at the moves that the crew have done over the last couple of years, and uh, I'd rather have RSL's future than the union's. Also, with teams like D.C., Orlando, San Jose making aggressive but smart moves, the union can't even compete in that arena now. Disgruntled van, forget, George. Forget being left behind by current and future expansion teams. The smaller market clubs are blowing them uh, blown by them as well. Yeah, I mean that's look. I mean, I, I don't. Everybody knows that this team sort of operates like a small market minor league team within its own market. I mean, if you ask the average uh, sports writer or non soccer fan around here, they equate the they look at the union at the same level as like the Freedoms or the Kicks or the Soul or something like that. You know, it's not even. You know, we're not even talking four for four here, or five for five. We're talking like you know fourth fourth tier. Yeah. Uh, whatever the hell kind of uh, respect or uh, attribution for the Philadelphia Union. So, again, I probably came off as really negative and, like, annoying in this podcast, but I was just kind of <laughs> irked, irked by some of the language I've heard, like, from, you He's know, jaded. coming Yeah, it just, you know, it starts to wear on you after a while. And, uh, you know, I don't think that messaging is I, – I understand where they're coming from. I know that Ernie's got his hands tied. We all know what Jay Sugarman is. Um, it doesn't make it any less frustrating for fans or for writers who have covered the team. Right. Like uh, we've, to, both, yeah, we've both been here since 2010, so we've seen all, all the roster turnover over the years. And yeah. It's, it's, just, yeah. It, it's guys coming and going, and the team never really taken that next uh, step, I guess. So. Look, it's, we're going to be sitting here for five, six, seven years waiting for the next you know, best thing. And when that 14-year-old academy kid is finally signed and finally gets on the field, I'm going to be 38 years old. You know, So it just... 
I don't. I, We're gonna I have don't, this podcast still. You think? Uh, well, we'll years? see. Hopefully, uh, somebody <laughs> will sponsor it. But uh, you know, look, it, it just. I, I think you keep selling people, sailing this idea down the river, and uh, people just aren't. People understand it, and they know what they're dealing with, but they're just not buying it. And Jay Sugarman doesn't have to do anything for his um, for his investment to keep going up. Jay is on the expansion committee in MLS. He will stay on the expansion committee until they finish expanding. And then, uh, you know, hopefully he cashes in on his investment at some point or, or gets priced out in some way, shape, or form. But I just, I just don't see – I don't I – don't, I look at the future and I'm just kind of like, I don't this, – this team just is, is what it is at this point. You know, I, I, I don't really know I – don't, I don't get excited about the academy thing as other people seem to do, you know, because I know that if the union and soccer is going to take the next step – you know, in this market, it has to be with an exciting, attacking, yeah. flair kind of player and some investment in the first team, not just selling people on the idea of we're going to have a bunch yeah. of kids playing out there. Well, I mean, just, yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think at this point we have to just give him the the um the preseason and the off season coming up is the language they use did make it seem like they're kind of willing to spend this off season. So we'll give them that. We'll see what they do. But in the meantime, we understand why fans might be a little skeptical and cautious that <laughs> that not much will change. Yeah, the next no, year. I understand. I understand. Well, listen, that'll do it uh, for this one. Episode number 20, Wait, 29. Any, predict, any predictions for Montreal? Oh yeah. I'll say that they win uh, like, like two to one or yeah, three. They've, to been, one. they've been winning games big. I'll yeah. say, I'll say three, nothing again. I, three, nothing. I, yeah. I, I think they'll, uh, They'll play well. Hopefully, the uh, Sons of Ben are out in full force. They they maybe do something for Kenny and and the Union play well for him. It's, Listen, yeah. you, when it, one thing is clear that when you come into uh, Talon Energy Stadium and you like half ass and you don't have all your starters or you don't take the game that seriously, <laughs> the Union will smack around a bunch yeah. of teams. They're always good for that, like July or August three nothing wins. So uh, we'll see what happens with Montreal. And then you got the tough. Uh, two road games coming up from there. So episode uh, number 29, I think this was, Kevin Kincaid, Dave Zeitlin. Please keep uh, Kenny Kenny Hansen and his family uh, in your thoughts. And, um, you know, if you have any, any more uh, stories that you'd like to share, um, let us know because I think we're probably both going to continue uh on on that on that theme in a in a proper tribute kind of way in the future so uh, again just uh be thinking of those guys and, and thanks again for uh for listening to the pod we appreciate it